0: It's time now for the complete story of public news and information feature of BOT Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich BOT with today's complete story.
1: Tell you what the BRN father and son are, are definitely a team, but my son is not here now and he's off at a conference. And so here I am flying solo again. Folks, I want to tell you something. Just in the last little while, um, two precious members of my family lost their fathers. My two sons-in-law lost their dads uh, just just a short time apart. And I'll tell you what, I know in our Bot Radio Network family, Our listening audience, I know that people are suffering the same thing that happens during this journey that we call life, from the beginning until the day where there's home going. And so I want to open the program. We're going to have a great program today, by the way, but I want to open it. And you join with me in just thinking about this song as it applies to you and people you know, here it is.
0: God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He bled died to buy
1: our pardon an empty grave
0: is there to prove our Savior lives and because he lives I can face tomorrow
1: because He lives.
0: he lives and then one day I'll cross the river and I'll fight life's final war with
1: If that doesn't make you want to stand up and shout, and thank God for His gift, um, anyway, uh, anyway, that that song just touched my heart, and uh, and I know it did yours as well. So let's now let's move on. Now, the Family Research Council. Thank God for Tony Perkins and the Family Research Council that we've carried on BOT Radio Network from the very beginning. Uh, That's many years ago. And Tony Perkins has a conference um, where he had many speakers, and it was uh, Pray, Vote, and Stand. Uh, If any of you, like my wife and I, saw the debate, um, the Republican debate, you know what a mess, what a mess we're in. Man alive, talking over each other, arguing back and forth. Very discouraging. And that's the situation America's in right now. That's exactly what we've got. Now, Oz Guinness was one of Tony Perkins' speakers at that conference. And Oz Guinness is not from this country. He's not from this country. So as an observer, And as someone who is looking at our history and where we are and everything else, uh, Tony Perkins had him as one of the speakers, and I want to share it with you folks right now. Here it is.
0: Allow me tonight to share my heart as a fellow Christian, but as a foreign admirer of this great republic. The climax of the Revolutionary War was at Yorktown in 1781. And when the British troops marched out to surrender to George Washington, they were ordered to play the ballad, The World Turned Upside Down. That ballad started in the English Revolution in the 1640s, and it came out of a Christian understanding of revolution. God creates order. Humans create disorder. And God works in a disordered world that's upside down and turns the world upside down to turn it the right way up. And of course, you have the same understanding in the book of Acts, where the agitators say about the apostle Paul, these men who've turned the world upside down have come here. The English Revolution... It's called the lost cause. The American Revolution, of course, succeeded. But many do not realize how much of the American Revolution came through the Reformation out of the Torah and above all the books of Exodus and Deuteronomy. Now why is that important today? It's certainly important for the understanding of history. But it's also important, I believe, for understanding the key to the present crisis, and not only that, the key to our sense of hope for tomorrow, not only in this country, but around the entire global world. Because Exodus and Deuteronomy are rightly understood as the grand narratives, the master narratives of freedom. Let me describe from a foreign perspective. On the one hand, the crisis today, in a nutshell, and on the other hand, the crisis of the West, in a nutshell, is common to talk of polarization. And many have said that America is as deeply divided as at any time since just before the Civil War. But why? Some blame the social media. Some see the tension in the conflict between the coastals and the so-called heartlanders. Some see it between the populists and the globalists, and it goes on. I and others would argue that the deepest division is between those who understand the republican freedom from the perspective of the American Revolution, which was largely, sadly not completely, biblical. And those who understand the republic and freedom from the perspective of the heirs of the French Revolution, which of course was anti-religious and anti-biblical and anti-Christian, and the forerunner of the three great modern revolutions which were against faith, the French, the Russian, and the Chinese. That's important today. Because while there's an enormous discussion of the present challenges and the culture warring and so on, I have rarely heard a Lincoln-like leader who addresses the entire picture in terms of the deepest divisions. Lincoln, of course, believed in the Declaration, believed in the better angel of the American nature, but addressed the evils of slavery, calling America to a choice, America could not remain half slave, half free. And no more today can America remain half 1776 and half 1789. Some talk of civility. Some talk of the common ground. But we are closer to the prophet Jeremiah saying, it is false to cry peace, peace, when there is no peace. What are the crises of the West? We're approaching, historians say, what's been described as a civilizational moment. Every great civilization, take your pick, the Sumerians, the Egyptians, the Chinese, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, the Mayans, the Aztecs, whatever you like to look at. But as you look at the great civilizations of history, where do you find them? They're in ruins, or museums, or history books. A civilization is simply a culture, and a culture is a way of life lived in common, a culture that rises high enough and lasts long enough and spreads far enough to merit the term civilization. And understood that way Western civilization is the greatest civilization in human history so far. Now I say that not as a moral compliment because some of it was highly immoral, but as a simple fact that the exports of the West make the West truly global in its reach and not merely regional. So Rome, for all its greatest, was Mediterranean, but the West is global. And now even our greatest enemies, say like the rival like China, believe a Western heresy, Marxism, and have been shaped in the last 50 years and lifted out of poverty by a Western understanding of market economics and so on. The West is truly global. But what is a, glo- a civilizational moment? Every civilization rises through an inspiration, a dynamism, Of some sort but at some point every civilization so far has lost touch with what made it great and at that point the civilizational moment there are only three broad options a renewal of the inspiration a replacement of the inspiration or decline as I said all the previous civilizations are in ruins or in museums. And the West is at that point. Because beyond any doubt, the inspiration that made the West, while we owe a lot to the Greeks and to the Romans, the basic inspiration were the Jewish and Christian faiths, or as Israeli put it, the Christian faith as Judaism for the multitudes. In other words, the Bible made the West. But beyond any doubt, starting in Europe and now across the intelligentsia of this country, the leadership of the mind in the West has rejected its roots. Now, if we had more time, we can see how the attended replacement, Enlightenment secularism, is in deep trouble too. So now the war on the West is made up by ideologies, not out to replace Secularism and the Christian faith in the leadership of the West, but out to undermine the West altogether. Now, I love the fact that your summit is pray, vote, stand. So let me make some remarks on the praying side and the standing side. We need across the West today and certainly in this country a great awakening and revival. Much of the West, much of the West is a world without windows. And there are many believers who are very close to being functional atheists and not that different in reality from their atheist neighbors next door. Abraham Kuyper, the great prime minister of Holland said, if you could tear back the veil between the seen and the unseen, you would see a conflict so intense and so convulsive that anything on the earth looks like a mere game. It is a cosmic battle of principalities and powers. And we need to have prayer, prayer, prayer. Think what the First Awakening did for the American Revolution and for saving England and much of the English speaking world from the French Revolution. Think of what the Second Awakening did and the unleashing of magnificent reforms and above all, the abolition of slavery. We need an awakening in the people of God today. Secondly, we need to regain the countercultural stance that we're called to as followers of Jesus. As Jews point out, the first words to Abraham are negative leave. He was called to break with country, culture, and kin. And you had the start of God's new project, God's new mission in the world that was countercultural. Our Lord, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. We're called not to be conformed, as Paul said, but transformed. We're members of the city of God, even while we live in the city of man. Yet much of the Western church is profoundly weak because it's profoundly worldly. And we need to long for the faithfulness that we live with integrity and consistency to the ways of our Lord. Because when the church is countercultural, the tension with the culture is what makes the church salty and light bearing and transforming in a culture. And you can see that that countercultural stance is not only faithful, which is our prime motive. It is also transformative. And the great historians who look at civilizational moments, they say that the key thing in a civilizational moment, whether you have renewal or decline, is a creative minority, as the secular people put it. Is it there or not? So don't worry about the polls and all this talk about religious nuns. It's the faithful minority that count. And by God's grace, that's what we're called to be. Thirdly, we need an affirmation of biblical leadership. In the scriptures, leadership is not just the people at the top, the president, the CEO, the general, or whatever, it is everyone in their sphere, at their level, taking the initiative and taking responsibility for what needs to be done. I love the fact that the Jews have a hero who's in the Bible but not in terms of the story they love, Nashon. I think he's Aaron's son-in-law. But he's a hero to them because of the Red Sea, When the Lord said he would send the wind and Moses raised his rod, the waters started to roll back. But everyone looked in trepidation. Who was to be the first? And it was only Nashon who strode in and the waters, they say, were up to his neck before they started to go down. And, of course, everyone else happy to follow him. We need leadership across the country at every single Level. And the last thing I'll mention, we need to be people of hope. When things are bad, it's easy to critique. I do a fair amount of it myself, and I'm sure we all do. But every critique has to be ending with hope. One of the awful things of the last 200 years is that it's the left-wing radicals who've been looked to Because when they share their utopian dreams, particularly to young people, they sound hopeful and many sign on. Of course we know, their revolutions never succeed, their oppressions never end, and their futures never come. But we should be the people who always have hope. The great saying of our Lord in Exodus 3, I am who I am, is also translated, I will be who I will be. Jewish and Christian faith is faith in the future. Ultimately to the day when the Messiah comes. But we are on God's project for restoring and repairing the earth. And we should be the people of hope. So yes, there's lots to criticize and let's criticize where it's wrong. But every criticism should end with hope that those who long for freedom, those who long for justice, can see that the gospel is good news. It's the best news ever. But let me finish unashamedly with a story I told last year in these words. Derek Prince is a Bible teacher that I've always admired. When he was at Cambridge University in England, he was an atheist. And as he graduated, thinking he went back to Cambridge to teach the classics, war broke out. And he took a number of classics with him, thinking that if he survived, he'd teach them when he came back. And among the classics he took with him, the Bible. And reading the scriptures, he came to faith in the Lord found himself in North Africa in the middle of the most ignominious retreat in British history, 800 miles. Rommel pressed them back and back and back. It was chaos. The army demoralized, retreat, retreat, looking them in the face. Here was this new Christian, no church, no fellowship. Only the Bible and the Holy Spirit said, Lord, how am I to pray in this situation? And the Lord said, pray this daily set over us a leader such that it will be to your glory to give the victory through him. And he prayed it and prayed it and prayed it. And they retreated and retreated and retreated. And Churchill fired the first general, sent out a second man who died en route. So Churchill sent out a young and relatively untested young general, but he happened to be the son of a great Christian leader back in England. They got the army together outside Alexandria, knowing they were defending the Suez Canal on the road to India and, of course, the road to Jerusalem. And Hitler had a million Jews in North Africa and in Jerusalem in his targets for the final solution. This was the last stand. And the young general addressed the army and he said, Men, let us pray to the Lord of the armies, the Lord of hosts. And when Derek Prince heard that, the Lord said, this man is the answer to your prayer. My wife and I pray that every day. We need leadership at every single level, in every sphere, as I said. But oh, for someone with the stature and the vision and the statesmanship of a Lincoln who can define reality and call America to the supreme choice that America faces today. This is the choice that you face as in 1776. Choose freedom, but that's not a cliche. And it will mean setting your face sternly against so many things that have made their inroads now. Lord, set over us a leader. And may we each be leaders in our spheres at our level, such that it will be to your glory to give the victory today. Thank you.
1: Oh, folks, Folks, that was Oz Guinness uh, speaking at Tony Perkins Family Research Council conference just a very short time ago. The theme of the conference was pray, vote, and stand. All right, now, uh, we just can't leave without one or two listener comments. So let's say, see. Let's see. here's a lady. Hi, this is Karen. I have listened to BOT Radio for 30 years. I have many that I listen to, Focus on the Family, Dr. Jeremiah, um, you name it. I listen 24-7 because I'm living alone with 5% vision. Thank you so much for giving me hope, and God bless you for all the good work you do. Oh, oh thank you. So here's a gentleman. Hello, uh, my name is Jeff in Memphis, Tennessee. And I just wanted to call and uh, express my thanksgiving for the labors of Bought Radio and let you know that it has impacted many lives, including mine. We listen every day. I just appreciate very much your stand for Christ. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Thank you for calling. Here's a lady. Hello, Bot Radio. I am so thrilled and grateful to God that over the years that you have remained faithful and true to the Bible and have the best Bible teachers on your radio program. I'm so glad I don't have to be worried about false teachers or teachings, and you are precious. May God continue to keep you pure and holy. In Jesus' name, amen. thank you, dear lady. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I used to learn to sing that when I was a little kid. Here I am now, going to be 90 (laughs) in another few weeks, and it still is true, isn't it? Now, here's a gentleman. I'm calling from Columbia, Missouri, and I've been listening to the BOT Radio now for about a year and a half. One of my uh, co-workers, he turned me on to you guys, and I absolutely love it. It just makes my day, especially all morning long. Pastor Robert Morris is my favorite. That's why I was calling. So God bless you all, and thank you for all that you do. Oh, and thank you so much, sir. Uh, All right, our time is gone. Rich will be back next week with me, and um, I'll see you later.